This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to the Manage Self Lead Others podcast. I'm your host, Nina Sunday. And this episode, I'm speaking with thought leader and visionary Dan Silberberg, former managing director of Oracle and former CEO of many other well-known brands, and with a master's degree in leadership and coaching and founder of and CEO of IntelliKey. And Dan has a leader council that starts periodically. Do you ever ponder the meaning of life? Part five of the six-part series with Dan Silberberg is about phenomenology, the concept of being in the world. Dan unpacks what that means in relation to your lived experiences and being the architect of your life. I trust you are enjoying this Leader Council series by Dan Silberberg as I am. Listen in as Dan makes phenomenology understandable and explains what happens in a Dan Silberberg Leader Council. Now over to my guest, Dan Silberberg. Welcome to the Manage Self Lead Others Leadership Podcast with Nina Sunday for experienced and aspiring people managers. This show will help you explore ways to become a more intentional leader. Each episode, host Nina Sunday speaks with some of the brightest business minds on the planet who share a passion to elevate and transform team culture. Workplace culture hides in plain sight. Is yours flourishing? Join the movement to make your workplace a better place to work. Are you ready? Because it's time to manage self, lead others. Welcome back, Dan Zilberberg. It's nice to be back with you, Nina. Pleasure. So with bated breath, what is the topic of this conversation? Phenomenology, I believe. Yeah. So again, you know, in my leader council, one of the modules that we go through is called the phenomenology of leadership. And there's a whole theoretical and philosophical treatise underneath phenomenology. It was developed by Martin Heidegger, who was a German philosopher and pretty well known. But I want to simplify it out for us today um, and make it a little more understandable. So the whole idea of phenomenology is that it's how we show up in ourselves from our lived experience, right? So if you show up and and you have a lot of anger or you show up and you don't have much of a voice or you show up and all you want to do is please others. So there's these different ways that we show up in the world and it's phenomenological in that it's how we live our lives. So if we want to become better leaders, we need to understand our own phenomenology so that we move from a narrowness of how we can show up to a wide angle. So depending on the context where we find ourselves, we actually can adjust and be more congruent to the context, the environment, 
the people we're dealing with and be a true north for ourselves so we're not giving up our values and and what we're a stand for so one of my here another one of my heroes we talked about buckminster fuller on the last one but another one of my heroes is victor frankel oh, and yes. victor frankel wrote the most phenomenal book called man's search for meaning and developed a whole thing around logotherapy he was a psychiatrist he was in Auschwitz. He lost his entire family, his wife, his parents, everybody, but he survived. And he wrote this book that no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the environment is, we can choose how we want to live within that environment and make meaning of it. So one of the things he said is that ultimately should not man should not ask what the meaning of life is but rather he must recognize that it's he who is asked okay um i'm not sure i've got the full import of that quote can you unpack right, so, it for us please yeah it's making so me think so basically the philosophical question for eternity has been well what's the meaning of life the existentialist would be nihilism and say there is no meaning to life. We're here. We do whatever it is we do. And then we leave. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. There's nothing so after. Yeah. See, the question isn't, you know, what's the meaning of life? The question is, what is the meaning you're giving to your life? Right. Yeah. So yes, you are the architect of your life. And. Yeah. Life doesn't happen to you, and it's not fate, and it's not the stars. <laughs> it is what you create, co-create. It is that. That's the phenomena. Right. But the meaning is what you assign to it. Oh, yes. The That's the other of, part of it. Yes. Yeah. So the meaning of my life is I don't ever get a break. People don't want me to be successful. I don't, you know, I can't, I can't seem to rise above my circumstances. So you're creating the meaning that you give to your life. Another and that's actually the, the classic difference between a pessimist and an optimist. An op a pessimist thinks that it's per all pervasive, it's for it's permanent. Whereas an optimist, if something you know untoward happens, they'll go, well, on this occasion, this happened. And they see it as, and also that it's not that they're a victim. It's like, you know, that they can work towards having a different result next time. So that dichotomy. Yeah. So we talked in the last, uh, in the last session about you getting fired. Certain yeah. people get fired and they're devastated. The meaning they bring to it is I'm not worthy. I'm not capable. I can't hold a job. That's the meaning. And another person's meaning is, I meant to leave. They actually helped me to become so I could do the business that I've always had in my heart. It's the same event, but it's different meaning. I go to the movie with a spouse or a friend and we go for coffee afterward. And I go, what'd you love about the movie? And they tell me what they loved and they say, what'd you love? And I tell them what they loved. And my, I always say, did we go to the same movie? <laughs> We did go to the same movie, but the meaning that we ascribed, what touched us, what created emotion for us is different. 
Mm. That's our lived experience. Mm. That's the meaning we're bringing to our lives. That's the phenomenological. So as a leader, do I consciously self-aware? Am I aware how I show up? So if I'm a leader and I show up in a room, in less than three seconds, people have already decided about me. They've looked at my energy. They look at my posture. They look at how I show up. Am I, am I calm? Am I easy? Or do I look like I'm annoyed? All of that is read in nonverbal communication. Oh, yes, it was Malcolm Gladwell wrote Blink. It's in the blink of an eye we make a judgment about people based on how they show up and how they present. Right. So I'm dying. You know, one of the things I've always thought is that if you're going for an interview, that as soon as the person, the hiring manager comes out, they've already decided. Yeah. And I feel like saying if I were going to be the candidate and I, I would love to do the joke of, well, do I have the job or don't I? And never go to the interview. <laughs> the, de the decision in the mind has already been made. And the inter the only thing I can do in the interview is screw it up. True. <laughs> if they've decided that I'm not the person to overcome that hump, that negativity bias is really difficult. But if they've got a perception that, oh, my gosh, this is the right person. The more I talk, the more I could go off the rails. So I always think that's comic, you know. <laughs> So, so are we good about understanding that the, the, the life that we have and how we interpret it, we are giving our lives meaning. Mm. It's not like, well, the meaning of life is I'm supposed to be doing this or the meaning of life is I should have that happen. Mm. It's how we, how through our thoughts, actions, behaviors, choices, experiences, what's the meaning? So if, if you, for example, have a wonderful family, you're in a business that you love, you've made it to the C-suite, right? And your world is just revolving phenomenally well. You're going to tell people, I'm having a wonderful life. I've had opportunities. Doors have opened for me. I've had good mentors, coaches, people that wanted me to succeed. And if you've been somebody who has been kept back for whatever shortcomings others have seen in you you might have a very different meaning about how your life has turned out oh yeah right? so this is this is something where we live in choice we have a choice about so when someone says to you how are you feeling today most people say okay they don't mean it you know they don't mean it right and rather than be authentic and say you know I'm kind of under the weather today, or I'm not 100% myself today, or I'm phenomenal. <laughs> it's a choice. I, I usually try and do very well, thank you, like at least without being over the top. <laughs> uh, you know, in Australia, they, we say, not bad. <laughs> yeah, so for me, it's a choice. So when I'm in my different groups or whatever, I'm not Pollyannish. But I'll start out with, I'm awesome. And even if I'm having a bad day, I'm still awesome. That's the day over here. That's not a lasting, hopefully, a lasting scenario. But uh, so our phenomenology, the meaning that we bring to our lives, 
resides in our language. Language is extremely powerful. Oh, yes, and also you're speaking to your subconscious. That's why you never sort of uh, really admit defeat, (laughs) you know, oh, things are bad. It's like you talk it up because talking it up talks yourself up and that attracts better things to you. Well, we have chemical reactions. So we have dopamine and oxytocin and serotonin and these chemicals. And so if we're if we're more positive and, you know, we're we're more um, to the positive side, we're going to get different chemical reactions in our bodies. If you look at a lot of chronic illness of arthritis and and emotions that sit in the fascia of our bodies, so much of that is uh, is the meaning we have ascribed to our experiences. Right. So if you want a different outcome, change your language. Absolutely. I can't, I couldn't, I shouldn't, I'm a, all of those kinds of contractive words are viruses. And this, this, if only, and they're blaming outside events or people for their misfortune. It's like, just as we said in last episode, what did you do to contribute to that negative event that you feel unhappy about. Don't see it as happening from external causes. What were your choices that were part of it? Absolutely. Mm. And so phenomenologically, are you living in your dream or are you living in somebody else's? If you don't build your dream, then you're helping others build theirs. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but are you doing it because out of choice or are you doing it out of default? Because it w- we were told never own our own business. We were told be secure, get a pension, stay at the same place 20 years, right? All of that phenomenological was a meaning that came from people out of the depression. Yeah, and it's old think. <laughs> Right. So so there's a, a, a certain thing where the language is extremely important. When yes. we look at phenomenology, there's a concept called being thrown in the world. This is the existential principle. I came into the world. I got thrown into the family I'm in. I got thrown into the parents that I got. I got thrown into a great zip code. I got thrown into a not so good zip code. I got thrown in in a particular ethnicity, in a particular gender, all of these things I had no idea of, I got thrown in. Yeah. So that's a phenomena that's happened to me, right? That I've had no say in it. Yeah. Because the school you went to determines the friends you create, which often uh, contributes to the trajectory of your life. It isn't the be all and end all, but it is part a very strong part of that trajectory. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's more of being in the world yeah. that you're thrown into as opposed to just being thrown, having no idea of how you got here. You didn't pick your family. You didn't pick the economic environment you got grew up in. You didn't pick the family and, you know, all the relatives. You didn't pick the the generational traumas and DNA and all of the stuff that come. It's just we're thrown into the world and here we are. 
And when you're about 14 is when you start accusing the family of, oh, how did I end up in this family? Right? <laughs> and then, then you see the light and you start seeing that they weren't so bad after all, unless unless they were. <laughs> so part of part of how this shows out is, and I think we've talked about this, but the leadership training market in the U.S. is about $60 billion. Yeah, correct. Okay, and about 92% of it has no positive outcome. That's not small potatoes. Well, no okay? tangible outcome. I mean, some... That's what I mean. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can't no really measure outcome. that outcome. It's... There's, no, there's nothing sustainable about it. And so the transformation... Of emerging as the next best version of yourself doesn't happen. Yeah. And and so the reason for that is that your leadership isn't the million hits on Google. It's not the seven styles, the 130 characteristics, and the 27 skills, which no one can remember. It's your lived experience. You show up based off of your lived experience yeah so tell me three of your earliest experiences tell me mom's favorite dad's favorite tell me your birth order tell me what you can expect from the world and what the world can expect from you that is your phenomenological foundation of your being in the world yeah yeah so the three earliest experiences are the ones that probably, if you ask someone, tell me about your childhood, invariably they say, I grew up and it was a, it was a pretty north night. You might find somebody that goes, I grew up in a horrible home. But 90% of people say, I had a pretty normal childhood. And my experience at this point is the reason they say that, it's the only one they had. So to <laughs> them, it was normal. Yeah. <laughs> right. But so I'm talking with this man and he's telling me about his normal childhood. And, you know, up to the age of three, he was on the pedestal and whatever he wanted, mom gave him and things were great. And I said, yeah. So what happened after that? And he goes, well, then the next couple of years, I was like hitting my head against the wall and on the floor. And I'm like, and that's a normal childhood. Right now, that's just an experience. He, he because... literally was hitting his head. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a symptom of something we're not going to talk about. <laughs> uh, so tell me about your earliest experiences. Well, the ones the, the, we have thousands of experiences. Yeah. The three that you're going to tell me are the ones that are the most embedded traumatic. Unless you're not uh, you don't want to let anybody know it. You'll you'll give me, oh, I had, you know, the best friends and we did. And I go, OK, great. That's a lie. Can we get to the truth now? <laughs> Right. And this is what frames our phenomenological stance. Our, it is our foundation. Mm. So mom's favorite, dad's favorite. So I'm, I'm talking to a person and they say, I was my dad's favorite and my brother wasn't. And I go, well, what's that look like? Well, every Saturday, I and my dad used to spend about three hours in his library. Oh, that's interesting. Say more. What more do you want to know? Uh, what did you talk about? Oh, we didn't talk. I just sat there for three hours. 
to me, there's a little bit of a disconnect that I'm the favorite and dad's not even paying attention to me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm not seen. I don't matter. Right. And so I make up in my mind that this is going on. Or my dad worked really hard. Very early in life, he had a heart attack and passed away. I don't work hard because I'm afraid if I work hard, like dad, I'll have a heart attack. So I toast through life, right? This is the meaning that we're assigning in a way unconsciously. That's a very self-limiting belief that can sabotage your success. Well, we all have them. So I'm, I'm a son and dad is rarely around. When he is around, he's emotionally absent. A lot of irresponsible anger. He gets, he's got this really loud voice. And what mom says to me is, dad comes home on Friday night. He's been to the bar. He's a mean drunk. There's going to be a lot of noise in the house. I'm going to feed you early. I want you to go to your room. I don't want you to come out till Saturday morning. We're okay with that? So I do that. And it's a great way to survive. Yeah. Except that now that I'm an adult, and I'm in business, I sit in the back of the room. I don't say a whole lot. I see the leader come in. He's he's loud. I'm transferring my father onto the leader. I don't even see the leader. Mm-hmm. I see my father and all of the... So, of course, I'm going to be invisible. Of course, I'm not going to say a whole lot. I don't want to get reprimanded, except that what the leader knows about me is that he'll call on me the last minute of the meeting. And invariably, after three times of that, that person has the most cogent, insightful, deliberative idea of where we need to go. As a leader, I now don't let him sit there in the back of the room to the end of the meeting. I'll walk in the meeting and go, Josh, what do you think? I'm kind of thinking about this, and I know we're all sort of, but I'd like to hear what is it you think? And he'll say everything he thinks and everybody will go, wow, that's really good. But he doesn't do that as a leader. I'm doing, I am pulling him out. And now as a leader, I want to reinforce him to become the leader he can become. Got it. Yeah. So this is all a part to me of the phenomenology. Leadership is held in context. So what that basically means is it's it's how we interpret the world and it's sort of the sense of our own experience. So we tend to talk about leadership in the context of a business. Yeah. One of the reasons it's so hard to get any positive result out of leadership development and training, there's no consensus what it is. <laughs> So there's different frameworks, different. Well, it's every it's every consulting firm coming up with the flavor of the month with a new book so that they can get clients. And then organizations decide they're going to bring in all of these guru guys. But every month there's a new one and nothing ever gets established. Mm. And there's no inner journey. There's only this. Do this. Well, wait a minute. Did I habituate it? Did I integrate it? Does it match my value? Am I learning? Is someone coaching me on it? Am I getting feedback on it? No, we don't have time for that. Read the book. 
So everybody reads Brené Brown. Everybody reads Simon Sinek. Everybody reads Daniel Pink. Everybody reads Atomic Habits. Everybody, and they all quote it. What are the three things that you adopted that you have now habituated that are so second nature? And they just look at you like, I don't know. <laughs> of course not. It's, it's not about reading a book. It's about, the again, the inward journey. Also, when I read a book, it's full of marginalia and my own table of contents in the first couple of pages. And I can pick up any book that I really loved and see all of the things that's jumped out at me and I can reread them at any time. And then maybe then apply the next thing that I notice. But I do try and apply. What's the point of reading a book if you can't apply <laughs> the advice? How about the idea that rather than read somebody else's book, you're actually in tune with you? See, all of the answers are within us. If if we're conscious to the universal energy, all of that's in So it's a nice thing that all these people have all these ideas. But I can't even read. I used to read all the business books because in the old days, not many came out. Today, every two seconds, there's a new book. Right. And I was just in a bookstore the other day and I was, and I used to live in bookstores. I love bookstores. Oh yeah. yeah. I was so overwhelmed with the number of books that are out there now. Uh, you know, put the chip in my brain and, and so make it, <laughs> make it so that I can, ha I can't well, read them. Well, now you can buy audio books and listen while you drive. I do that. Yeah. <laughs> So this context of leadership, I'm I'm saying rather than me doing leadership in your business, is you architecting your life in your experience as a leader. Mm. And then the context is spouse, partner, kids, family, community, school, culture, institution, and business. So now congruently, all of my experience shows up in who I am and what I'm going to bring into the world. So it's not about how do I get another $2 to the bottom line? It's how do I show up in a way leading that I'm bringing the best out of myself, my team, my company, my industry, et cetera. And then, you know, we've talked a little bit about empathy and understanding and this is really the human element. So another one of my heroes is Carl Rogers. And what Carl Rogers basically, he wrote this wonderful book called On Becoming a Person. And if you only had one book to read after Viktor Frankl, that would be the book on what it means to become a person. But basically his idea as a therapist was, can I unconditionally, without judgment, meet a person wherever they are and be in their shoes, in their emotions, in their experience. And it's not mine, it's theirs. So, right. so basically, what, what I think all of us want is to be accurately seen in the here and now with positive regard, consistently and unconditionally. Oh, yes. That's lovely. Right? Mm. Yeah. And, so, and, and we talk about, in our leadership trainings, we talk about the language of positive regard. It's a thing. So there's actually uh, phrases you can use and, and, and ways of, of giving praise that uses the language of positive regard. That's 
so so important to for that uh, connection and and for people to f- feel validated. Yeah. So all of this is is so the social emotional intelligence we're talking about building resilience, agility, grit. All of these things come from having our deepest yearnings met. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're a leader, do you know your own yearnings? Be seen, be known, contribute, matter, love, be loved, exist, contribute into the world, have the world contribute to you? Are you aware moment by moment of those yearnings? Do you know how to soothe yourself, satisfy them, help others to do the same? These are things that exist outside the context of the bottom line of a financial statement, of a marketing plan, right? Well, that's all self-care. You're saying that they that the leader has to bring their own uh, practice of self-care, or if they're not, the, uh, they could, you know, can lead to burnout or or just imperfect behavior, which leads to imperfect results. Well, but what I'm also saying is that if they don't have this facility in themselves, they yeah. can't give it to others. Yeah, they can't it's... sense it in others. They, you know, so in other words, I walk in and I sense there's something going on with you. And I go, Nina, you're not your bright, usual self. Is there something I can do? What's going on? What are you feeling? You know, I know I got to run the business today, but can I take the 30 seconds to recognize you so that you feel seen and mattered? And you might say, you know what, Dan, I'm fine. And I might go, yeah, okay, that's great, but I don't believe that. Let's keep going. And I'm going to create this connection. And this this is the new dawn rising. Right. See, that extra minute, the ability to actively listen to sense, to feel in my body what's going I sense there's discord here. Or am I only going to be up here? I got to solve the problem. That is what turns people off. Yeah. And and it's being present with people. And so mm-hmm. truly listening and not sort of being preoccupied, thinking about something else while someone's sharing. Uh you know, a vulnerability, it's you've got to then be present with that person, even, you know, for the minutes that is required in order to let them know that they were heard. Right. So being present isn't easy also when you're in the throes of the drama of business every day. Yeah. So again, congruent, you know, straight spine. So if I'm in fear, where am I holding it in my body? And if I'm in fear, I'm living in my past. Oh, I saw this recession when I was alive in 1980 when the recession was in business. And I'm in fear now. Fear only comes from the past. There is no fear in the present moment. If I'm anxious, I'm worried about what's going to happen in the future. So I just need to be present because in the present moment, consciously, I make good decisions and I'm in my power. 
I'm not in my power when I'm fearful, and I'm not in my power when I'm anxious. That's a quotable quote, because there are times when in, you know, the big world, you know, can be scary at times when I take on board things that I, I notice a bit of fear in me. And that's something I can tell myself. I'm not in my power if I'm in fear. Yeah, so and if, find your a, power. Well, Don't be in from, fear. Be, be brave. <laughs> well, when you're in fear, acknowledge it. Don't avoid it. Don't deny it. And have a conversation with it. Yeah. I'm in fear right now. Name it to tame it. That's it. Yeah. Oh, I'm in fear. I, what's that all about? Where am I feeling that in my body? Can I take a couple of deep breaths? Reset, right? That kind of thing. The emotions that we have are fleeting. We don't sit in fear 24 hours. Most people no, don't sit no. in fear seven hours a day, right? It's fears. Our emotions work on continuums. So we're in with our amygdala, we're in fear all the time. But a zero, one, two isn't a big deal. A nine or a 10, you know, that's a big deal. So all of a sudden bombs are coming on our city. Yeah. That's a fear at a nine or a 10. And yeah. that's real. That's yeah? Right. yeah. So, you know, again, this where am I in any given moment is part of the self-awareness and it's part yeah. of the developmental that we work with with leaders and you know when when life. you hold a positive view of the present and the future you do see more opportunities than if you are in fear because if you are in fear you are you that filter is closing you off to seeing the you, you know you're more likely to say no to an opportunity instead of yes or to even suggest an opportunity well when you're in fear Again, the amygdala is 20,000 times more powerful. Your executive functioning literally oh, shuts down. Yes. So if you're fearful, do not make big life decisions. Right. Yeah? Because you're not going to have the capacity to do good decision making. And that's where the three reactions of fight, flight, or freeze come from, isn't it? From the amygdala. And different individuals have different reactions to a fear-based event. Right. So as a leader, as you show up dealing with people, yeah. are they arguing with you all the time? Right. right. Are they silent? Are they just hoping to get away from you? Do they freeze and just let you go and walk all over them? Right. You know, what reaction are they having? And might you then interrupt it if they can't? So I'll give you an example. You're having this conversation. I'm in an interview and the guy is a, a billionaire guy. And he's going through this chronological thing. And I'm just sitting there, you know, and he looks at me. He goes, this is going really bad, isn't it? I go, I don't know. It's your it's your thing. So I'm just here to see where we're going. And but he caught it. Right. And then all of a sudden we got off of that structured thing that wasn't he was aware enough to go. I'm not getting anything. You're not participating. I wasn't I, I didn't freeze. 
it was just boring. Yeah. And so it was sometimes because it was just, bo- you know, he was literally talking himself without me in the conversation. And yeah. then he woke up and went, and then we had a really dynamic conversation. Nice. Yes. It yeah. takes a, it takes a, a, a big person to be able to kind of realize and backtrack and start again and say, let's start again. That's great. Well, it takes someone who actually woke up and got yeah. conscious. That's right. And it wasn't, you know, I wasn't like trying to make him feel bad about it or anything. It was, he just, he caught the wave. Yeah. And as leaders, it's really important for us. And we want to bring this genius out and, and have impact with all of the people that we're going to meet. So we've been talking about the phenomenology of leadership. We've sort of come to the end of this conversation. Yep. What's your what's your parting words to sum up what we what we've been discussing in the last 30 or 40 minutes? So the parting words are that I feel like I've been seen, I'm known, I matter to you, I'm adding value. And so my experience has been very positive. I'm kind of amazed and joyful in my heart that I I know this is in me, but it's now out of me. And just to see that evolution was extremely inspiring. And as leaders, can we inspire ourselves and inspire others? So the parting is that phenomenologically, it's your experience and the language that you assign in meaning that gives you the life you're going to have. And in the leader council that is uh, that starts is starting soon and and starts every few months, you'll be covering the phenomenology of leadership. At what point and do you give uh, actions or, or or you know tasks? As a result, yes. that people have to then bring back to the next uh, the next session. Exactly. So we meet twice a month, and in the first session, we'll go through a particular subject. This happens to be the second module of yeah. twelve. All right. Because we do it early, and so we'll go through it. We do breakout groups. We do hot seats. We do what did you get out of this? We might do some movie or media clips that show this different type of a thing. And then from the first meeting to the second meeting, that two weeks, you'll have assignments. And the assignment is to, we'll take a look at where where is something that you want to elevate about yourself and we'll create a task with an expected outcome. And then we'll assign an accountability partner so that every day you're checking, Nina, did you do what we talked about? Well, I got really busy. So it's four days now. I haven't done anything. Right. So we're not we don't want that. And that's where I'm saying what I do is different because there's accountability. And also all the participants are in the C-suite. They are a chief people officer or a chief marketing officer or a chief uh, executive officer. Yeah. Yeah. Chief financial officer. Yeah. It's C-suite participants. C-suite and you report directly to the CEO. Yeah. Would be so if you're in the finance department, you have a, a team of people. If you're the chief revenue officer, if you're the chief um, marketing officer, 
you're setting this you're setting the agenda for your area and so that's that's why that they start with a free conversation with you via linkedin and then really they sort of have to qualify to be become a member of this leader council don't they because they have to be in a c suite position yeah but the real qualification is, that i want to know is in an in a in a short amount of time can we come up with something you want to personally solve yourself right right have you ever invested money in your own development i don't if you have great if you haven't great and then i want to know will you own it so will you be committed dedicated and do the work that's right because some people just turn up and ex- and do nothing and think that that's okay but you're actually holding other people back yeah well not yes but in the end this is your personal journey yeah. and i want outcomes i want world class leaders emerging right right and i'm committed to that and i need to know so one of the questions is tell me something that you're currently working on and on a scale of 1 to 10 what is it rarely will someone say it's a 10 it's usually a six or a seven, maybe yeah. an eight. In my world, if it's a 10, we'll do it. If it's not a 10, we won't. Yeah. If it's a 10 for me, but it's an eight for you, I would say, Nina, when it's a 10 for you, let's get back to it. But right now, I'm not going to do an eight with a 10. Right. I'm not looking to do 50 things. I'm looking to do one thing. I'm looking 12 to 15 C-suite people who are really committed to the journey to open up and have a life that was greater than anything they could have imagined. Absolutely, and everybody needs a mentor or a coach. Are you a coach or a mentor or both? I don't use any kind of diminutive <laughs> word that can be commoditized. That's a good So, answer. I'm not a coach, I'm not a consultant, I'm not a guy. If anything, I might say I'm a guide. But I would more say I'm a man who is dedicated to seeing the genius in others and having it emerge out into the world. And you're so heart-centered and it comes through every communication I have with you, Dan. So, Dan Silverberg, it's been a, a, a beautiful pleasure speaking with you again today. Oh, Nina, the pleasure is always mine. And uh, I don't know, you seem to bring out the best. I have no problem speaking when I'm in your world. <laughs> oh, thanks so much. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Nina. Bye-bye. You've been listening to my good friend, Dan Silberberg, former CEO and uh, now uh, CEO of the Leader Council, which is training the next generation of leaders And I'm curious, what was your key takeaway from this episode? You can let me know via the contact form at my personal website, ninasunday.com, or through, uh, through LinkedIn, a direct message through LinkedIn. Thanks for joining me. Until next time, enjoy good things. Nina Sunday is on a mission to help leaders transform culture. To book Nina Sunday CSP to speak at your conference, visit ninasunday.com to request a proposal. Nina travels from Brisbane, Australia for in-person presentations Australia-wide. Twice certified virtual presenter, Nina Sunday presents virtually, globally, for any time zone. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.